weather outside is frightful, but the Smith's heater is delightful. That means it's time for the Underpowered Hour Christmas Clip Show. Now join us for a Yuletide celebration of our favorite moments from this year's shows. I'm Stephen Barris, your favorite mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. I am joined for the first time, not by my good friend Ike Goss, but in fact, my significant other, Liza Barris. Liza, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is a very special Christmas clip show. And because Ike is in the midst of probably dying in the desert, uh, Liza has jumped in uh, as uh, one of the uh, original, if not uh, biggest, if not potentially only fans of the show uh, to go over some of her favorite episodes. Uh, Again, uh, clip show so that uh, I don't have to work as hard uh, right before the holidays. We are adorned with festive garb um, and uh, actually just sitting across the room uh, from each other. So it's sort of weird to, uh, you know, this is normally very remote. So uh, yeah, so it's great. Thanks for uh, being on the show. Thank you. I um, I legitimately am a fan. Like, that's not just because I'm married to you, but because um, I uh, usually listen to the show when I'm driving our daughter to school on Monday morning. I'm, I, you know, throw it up on the on the car sound system and give a listen. And I'm usually the first person to call Steven at like 7.30 in the morning and say, did you know that there's a problem at about 13 minutes into the episode where you, and he then has to scramble to go fix it. So, yeah. So the reason that uh, only the first 30 or 40 people that listen to the show hear some weird thing uh, and not everyone is uh, it's Liza. Yeah. I mean, I could do that QC the day before, but what's the fun in that? No, it's, it's, we, we live day. Dangerously. That's the whole point. This show happens almost entirely by accident. So, uh, Lies, what is your first pick uh, for a show that uh, that you really connected with this year? Um, that's a great question. Um, I think we're going to dive all the way back to the episode where Ike has dealt with a surprisingly large number of rodents in Land Rovers, and yes. there was a Land Rover that you guys talked about where a rat did 20,000 pounds or dollars of yeah, damage pounds, to yeah. a vehicle. Yeah, you're talking about episode 16, A Rat Eats a Disco, uh, which uh, retail, we, recounts the uh, unfortunate uh, incident uh, in the UK that happened this year, uh, where a family of rats nested inside of someone's discovery and completely destroyed it. Can, can, I, can I say, roll that clip? Is that appropriate oh, here? Can I, I think say, you can. Stephen, think... roll that clip. Okay, here we go. Yeah, speaking of uh, vehicles that might need some work. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about this, uh, this Land Rover that was, was uh, infested with rodents. Yeah, so I read an article earlier this week about a gentleman who had parked his Land Rover, brand new uh, Land Rover, I believe Discovery, uh, overnight. He was visiting some family uh, somewhere in the Midlands, uh, in the UK, and uh, so he parked this car overnight, came out in the morning, and I guess it didn't it didn't start properly, or it was acting odd, or something something was off, and uh, and uh, brought it to the the repair shop and uh, realized that rodents overnight had infested the car and done 
20,000 pounds worth of damage to the car. Uh, so far as they'd made a nest with wet wipes uh, underneath the carpets and the floor uh, of the car. They had burrowed through uh, the plastics of the doors and, and, and set up nests and things like that. And, and essentially, you know, I, I wouldn't say nearly destroyed because I believe it's being repaired and it'll be put back into service, but uh, very came very close to destroying uh, this brand new car. Uh, so thought it was an excellent opportunity, Ike, to put in a top tech tool tip tech top tip uh, about uh, keeping uh, animals uh, out of your Land Rover. Uh, do you have any good advice for keeping things, uh, rodents and things from your Land Rover? You know, rodents like nesting material and uh, bedding and, uh, you know, they, they like a warm environment and uh, they like to be kept out of the weather and uh, they like a food source. So if you remove the top, you take out all the interior and wiring and uh, all the mats and, uh, you know, all of that, then you probably won't have any rodents in your car. But uh, step one, remove the roof. <laughs> yeah, step one. Remove the roof and all the seats. I remember that the I think it was the Mini Cooper when it mm -hmm. when it redebuted. BMW relaunched it in what like the 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 mid two thousands, early aughts, early two thousands, yeah. I guess. Yeah, two thousand yeah, two, early aughts. Um, there was an option of like what kind of sounded like a taser that went in the undercarriage so that if rodents tried to crawl in, it would essentially tase them. Whenever I have the opportunity to get a taser in the undercarriage, I always check that box. <laughs> yeah, you always want the uh, undercarriage taser. That's a that's a good. So in this case, you know, a, a rodent preventing undercarriage taser would have gone a long way uh, for this poor gentleman's uh, for this poor gentleman's Land Rover. So hopefully, it gets it. Uh, it was a staggering amount of damage. It's a huge amount of damage. I mean, and they're, they they actually in the article, um, and maybe I'll put a link to the article in the uh, in the description of the show in the show notes. Um, they they show like pictures of dead rodents because I guess a few died overnight in there, which like. It seems like one hell of a rodent party happened inside this guy's car. I'll tell you that I'm not NCIS here, but I think that the timeline on this uh, rodent rodent homicide is is a little off. I feel like overnight, it's a lot of damage for one night. It is a lot of damage for one night. Like, is there? Yeah, are you saying that there may be something more nefarious at foot here that uh, this gentleman may not? Uh... I'm saying maybe there was more rodents. There might not just be a single rodent. There might be multiple rodents. Oh no! It sounds like it was a rodent party. I'm also saying maybe this guy exaggerated. He may have exaggerated the amount of time that he was there to his insurance company. <laughs> I'm just saying that <laughs> it's might possible. Happen. It's possible. I uh, yeah. I mean, it, it looks like there was a uh, hundred uh, rodents in this thing, <laughs> you know, for the better part of a week. But who are who are we to say? I I don't know. I can't I can't help but think that uh, Ike is right, and that there probably was more of a rat party over. Mm, possibly a week or two. I don't know that we've ever done a deep dive uh, or a follow-up on that. That may... Uh... Well, I will say that what I know of rodents is that where there is one, there is never just one. There are many. So uh, I fall into that same camp of believing that Mm, I think there were many, and I think it was a lot longer than they said. Yeah, definitely worth a listen. Uh, episode 16, uh, Ike also talks about uh, his uh, encounters with uh, He's rodents. He's had a lot of Land Rovers with rodents, and and yeah. I, I don't I think guess, it's just Land Rover related. I think that there, I there's more. I guess it comes with the territory. Yeah, it's, it's a, there's a lot of Ike in that uh, as well. I think he attracts them, but um, <laughs> yeah, it is a... Uh, so uh, so up next, um, what, what was another one of your... Uh, 
uh, favorite sets of episodes. I know uh, that you, like many, are a fan of the summer breakdown because uh, it's always fun to listen to Ike almost dying. Yeah, but I think I have a uniquely different perspective on the summer breakdown. So to set it up for your listeners, um, Ike and Linus, uh, and if, if you haven't listened to the summer breakdown, you should stop listening to this episode right here, right now. And you should go listen to both episodes of the summer breakdown. Um, first of all, it is an absolute miracle that Linus and Ike did not die on that trip. And that is not an exaggeration. They are insane. But they, prior to leaving for this crazy road trip, they came down and they stayed in our house. And so I saw their sort of prep and their uh, lead up to the summer breakdown from a slightly different perspective. Um, So I definitely resonate uh, very deeply with like my own my own uh, backstage perception, as it were, of how that whole thing got underway. Yeah, in fact, you hadn't met Linus no. uh, prior to uh, that uh, encounter. That's and, correct. You know, although Jerry McGovern thinks that Ike and I are uh, related, it is you know it's a fair it's a fair assertion to think that Linus and uh, his adult son uh, yeah. Ike are actually related because those two. Yeah. No joke. So I they 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 rolled in quite late, and or maybe I rolled in quite late. One of us was quite late, and. Uh, I, so I didn't meet them before everybody went to bed and we got up in the morning and I came down the stairs and I was looking at the back of what I thought was Ike until Ike came around the corner and was looking at me. And I realized, uh, it was, I had one of those Spider-Man meme moments where I was like, wait, there's how? which one is the real Ike? Uh, so it's true from behind Ike and Linus look identical. They look identical. Yeah. It's impossible Um, to, and uh, they probably don't appreciate uh, me making that comparison, but like I was definitely thrown. And then we went for breakfast and I heard them. I'd only heard part of the story. I only knew they were coming to town and they were going to go get Jason Momoa's motorcycle and they were going to drive a model T and it sounded crazy, but then going for breakfast and getting the whole story and hearing, about all of the things they had to do in the next like 36 hours to get ready for this trip was yeah it was uh it was kind of shocking and fun and and uh a little bit wacky to listen to them talk and just be like "Uh uh-huh yeah okay that sounds like a are you sure you guys sure and and hearing them firsthand tell the story of trying to unload the vehicles out of the u-haul that was really funny yeah it it was if you weren't there. It was a good time. So uh, let's uh, let's uh, listen in on uh, on uh, that uh, moment. The next morning, of course, we have to get the car out of the U-Haul truck. Yeah, and that started off by saying, first of all, okay, I've got these ramps. Don't worry about it. No problem. This is this is something we should mention. We couldn't bring ramps with us because then the ramps would be, we couldn't carry them on the motorcycle or the, yep. or the speedster. Right. So fortunately, you had some. Unfortunately, I had ramps until I went to find the ramps and realized <laughs> I had lent them out and that they had been thrown away by the, the person that I had lent them to. So we started the day by first going to procure ramps, which took no less than, I think, three Harbor Freights to finally find 
um, a set of ramps that single use ramps, mm-hmm. <laughs> theoretically, <Single> use. <laughs> theoretically, with a capacity of sixteen hundred pounds, were rated for the the vehicle. Uh, we figured there would be a safety margin, uh, uh, you know, built in them. So we went and procured the ramps, got the ramps into the parking lot of my workshop, and sort of set them up against the car and uh, strapped them down. Everything felt. You know, everything felt pretty good. We got the the, the uh, floor jack out to move the car centered to take up that three inches of uh, stick out and uh, and started backing the car uh, out of the uh, <laughs> out of Ike and I standing pretty far back. And Linus, maybe explain a little bit about how the controls of the Model T work because it's not it's not trivial to simply. Well, okay, just get in and push it out. It's no big deal, you know. Whatever. Well, right? the the thing about the Model T is that uh, it it doesn't really have a, a a good neutral, right? Where there's nothing connected to something else. Uh, if you get out of the car and leave the emergency brake disengaged, then that leaves the pedal in high gear. So if you don't put on the emergency brake, then the car is in high. So if you do put on the emergency brake, then the car is held in neutral. But neither of those lend well to pushing. Right. Either being in gear or having the emergency brake on. So one thing you can do is have a person sit in the car and push the left pedal to the middle position, which is neutral. And then it's sort of in neutral, but then you're spinning some bands inside of the cold transmission full of oil. And it's not exactly easy to push. So we had decided to have me just drive it out. And so that means uh, holding the left pedal in the neutral position and pushing the other pedal, which is the reverse pedal. (laughs) So I was backing out and it was all (laughs) wonderful until the oil pan caught on the edge of the truck. (laughs) Yeah. And just then (laughs) is when the Harbor Freight ramp decided to go crack. And, uh, and we very quickly said, drive back in, drive back in, drive back in. (laughs) Hurry, put it back, put it back, put it back, put it back. We're going to take a very quick break to hear from this sponsor. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now back to the show. It is, uh, again, every time I hear it, it's a miracle that uh, that trip even got started. The fact that we got that stupid car out of the back of that goddamn U-Haul. And uh, I still have those destroyed Harbor Freight ramps downstairs. So uh, we may maybe throw those up on the underpowered hours store if somebody would like them. I particularly am a big fan of the returning of the U-Haul and the shenanigans that ensued around trying to get that U-Haul back uh, without paying all of the uh, fees. Because yeah, essentially without having to buy that you right essentially yeah so linus um, was almost the proud owner of a slightly used uh u-haul so 
Again, yeah. great, uh, great couple of uh, episodes uh, over the summer. We're working on uh, next year's yeah. uh, summer breakdown already. I do have to say, what one of the things I think you did right about that episode was not letting Ike tell you until you interviewed them a lot of the details. Like, obviously, the parts that you were there for, you knew what happened. But there were a lot of details that we were only getting the bare minimum while they were on the road, basically just checking in to make sure they hadn't died. Mm-hmm. And hearing that they had some potential problems, but not knowing a lot of the details. So I do have to say, hearing you interview them and hearing you hear some of that for the first time made me really, really happy. But also, I was one of those crazy people and driving to school and and reacting live to what I was listening to. No, no, really? That's why they, oh man, geez, it was great. It was really, really fun. I got really Yeah, keeping it. count of how many times uh, Ike nearly died uh, on that trip. It's always fun. Yeah, I would get the text from them uh, as to you know, where they were stuck and what needed to happen and if we could try to figure out some parts or something. Um, but then once they got back, I swore them both to secrecy mm-hmm. to say, I don't, I don't want to know anything in any more detail than I have because I'd like to just sort of, yeah. this needs to be a show. We need to do this. And uh, that was a lot of fun. I really yeah, I really that. appreciate that that. And I, uh, I look forward to the other uh, variations on the theme that we have been talking about for 2022. Oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be, uh, it is going to be a crazy, a crazy 22 and an even crazier 23. Lots of, lots of stuff in the uh, pipe there. So finally, um, a, a set of uh, episodes uh, around a, a particular uh, version of Land Rover that we, of course, are very partial to because of our ownership of one of for those sure. uh, uh, of vehicles. But uh, uh, you took a, a particular liking to the the camel trophies being sold throughout this year. Well, I thought that I thought that these were good episodes to choose because very early on in the show, I think it's episode 11 or 16. I don't know. You're going to tell me. Yeah, 11, yeah. 11. So episode 11, you guys talk about a Land Rover Disco that goes for $90,000. And it's like... Yeah, the your... first camel that sold on uh, Cars and Bids was, yeah, $90,000. That's right. And you guys talk about it a little bit. And maybe it's better to just roll the clip. All right. So here's the clip of the first time a camel sold on the internet. Uh, speaking of extraordinarily expensive things, you will come from far and wide to see. I'm not sure uh, if you were following the cars and bids uh, over the past couple of weeks, um, but there was a 1992 uh, Land Rover Discovery that just happened to have competed in the 1992 Camel Trophy uh, that sold for no less than $90,000, which I am not Sure, but given Camel Trophy's discoveries that I know of that have sold in recent uh, memory, uh, that is, if not the top, certainly near the very top price that that anyone has ever uh, gotten for one. Um, And interesting, because Cars and Bids, which is Doug DeMiro from uh, uh, Auto Trader, uh, it's his sort of by personal, I guess I don't know. It's the it's the car bidding website that he sponsors, and and this is certainly the most expensive Land Rover that's ever uh, sold on the site, and kind of an interesting place to find weird ish Land Rovers. North Carolina tried to sell their Trek Discovery through that website. It didn't end up selling. I think it 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 uh, closed at about fifty eight thousand dollars, and and didn't uh, didn't sell. But anyways. 
Camel Trophy is an interesting car, especially one titled in the United States. Um, and uh, Jim West, uh, who along with uh, uh, Dan Ammon were the uh, were the two drivers of the '92 U.S. team uh, car, which this car uh, happened to be. Um, and uh, Jim had actually popped into the thread and was talking about it, and sort of a pretty interesting, pretty interesting going on over the course of the week. Yeah, I uh, caught a little bit of the discussion and the the bidding, and I was also surprised at the final result. But, uh, you know, they're definitely um, a market segment that's in demand. You know, a lot of interest in the the classic Camel Trophy vehicles and and Land Rover reintroducing the the quote-unquote trophy edition Defender probably fuels some of that interest uh, for those uh, classic vehicles as well. $90,000 $90,000 seemed like a big deal. Um, oh, it was a huge deal. I mean, you know, Land Rover, Camel Trophy trucks have sold on the internet before, but never in like an auction format like that. And never, it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of crazy. As somebody who doesn't follow that at all, I mean, you tell me at every opportunity of every <laughs> Land Rover that ever sells ever, and this seems to matter greatly to you. Uh, I'm pretty uh, ignorant to whether or not that is a super high number. But because I had the context from episode 11, just a couple weeks ago, when that Land Rover sold for over $140,000, that was insanity. And I just thought that those two episodes were really nice to highlight because, because you guys are so quick to say like it, that $90,000 one might be the most expensive camel ever to go. And then like they blew it out of the water seven months later. Yeah. And that's in episode 41. And uh, uh, we'd actually made a guess in episode 40 that that uh, maybe I think Ike had somewhere in the 80s. I had somewhere maybe in the 90s. And uh, my God, yeah, after seller's fees and everything, well over 140 by the time that car gets to wherever it was sold. to. I mean, that is a huge mega investment. Now, I have it on good authority that there will be another one coming up next year, not a Discovery this time, but a a Defender, which I think will fetch even more. And I've committed to uh, Ivan and uh, Dan and uh, and Ike and I, uh, the guys from from Robotalk, are going to uh, do an Instagram Live uh, and uh, we'll commentate on the sale live. I'll teach you how. I don't think any of you know how, but I'll teach you. Don't worry. I'll show you how to do it. Please do, because I have no, no idea. Absolutely absolutely no idea. Um, so yeah, like you mentioned, there's a couple of fun segments coming up this year. We're going to do you and I, we're going to have you back on for a, uh, uh, a segment we're calling tales from the road, uh, which, uh, we will recount a couple of interesting, uh, automotive trips that we have, uh, found ourselves on, uh, over the years that have of course gone horribly sideways. And so we'll, uh, we'll definitely have you back for, uh, for that. I mean, horribly sideways um, might sound like an exaggeration, but it's not. They were, I mean, spectacular failures. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that are worth telling and that, uh, I don't know, hopefully I'll leave it at a Nissan Qashqai on a hiking trail in the middle of rural Italy. I wasn't even thinking of that one, but we do have to tell that story. I was thinking about the white Mustang on the uh, uncharted uh, closed road on the south side of Maui. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. With the keys locked in the trunk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a uh, that's for another uh, episode. But Liza, as you know, every guest that comes on the show, and technically uh, oh. you count, oh, no. uh, does have to go through the world famous. <sighs> 
uh, torture-tested okay. lightning round. Unfortunately, Ike is not here. Um, I've only done it once before, and, uh, you know... I believe in you. You know, and we'll get through it, but uh, all right. Are you ready? No, but I will answer your questions, probably regret all of my answers after the fact. Well, they'll be harshly judged by the audience. So, That's fair. Uh, leaves or coils? Coils. All right. Gas or diesel? Diesel. Hard top or soft top? Hard top. Bronze green or tambora orange? Bronze green. 90 or 110? Oh, oh, 110. I have a very strong opinion about this. 110, 100%. <laughs> In fact, you even mentioned it on the show recently. 110. I stand by my decision. But I think 90. 90 is the right answer, though, I think. Uh, favorite podcast host? Um, Ike Goss. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think we both knew it was going that way. Best way to get gear oil out of your underwear? Uh, your underwear or my underwear? I mean, I guess that's up to you. <laughs> um, throw them away and buy new ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still in there, quite frankly, if it's mine. It has never been removed. Okay, well, thank you very much, Lies. We appreciate it. And uh, like I said, we'll have you back on the show um, and uh, it to leave uh, you know, us for the year, as this will be the last show of the year. Uh, we thought a fun segment maybe. Many people don't know why uh, all of a sudden Ike started throwing in a custom uh, intro uh, to every episode, but uh, that is actually a, uh, a Liza suggestion our, our number our number one fan and potentially only fan um <laughs> well i think back in the days when i was probably the only one listening to the show that I, is still probably today so i'm I don't know that, that it's might be true day, but yeah. but there was a time where i was definitely the only person listening and um i listened to you know the first 10 or 15 episodes kind of back to back and it all sounded uh the same but it was like this setup this great setup for ike to throw something new and different in every single week. And uh, now I kind of live for it. I kind of really look forward to it. I think he likes it too. I think, I think he really enjoys it. I can tell you that them. the process started off uh, extraordinarily frustrating and that it would take like probably 20 minutes to come up with one at the beginning of every <laughs> session. Now though, he comes in with them pre-canned and, uh, and ready to go. He's, uh, it is also, it's funny enough, it's my favorite part of the show because I don't know what he's going to say before he says it. And uh, I do, I, they're delightful. I think that if you ever have to do an episode where he has to record it without you, you need an entire episode of Ike Goss dad jokes. He that that man has some of the funniest, corniest, most terrible jokes on the face of the planet. Ike Goss has probably made me laugh harder than just about anybody on the face of the planet. He he it might not be obvious to every listener, especially if, if you've only listened to one or two episodes. Ike doesn't seem like that, but oh my God, he has had me with tears streaming down my face, dying of laughter. He's had me streaming uh, tears down my face as well, but it wasn't totally uh, because reasons. something had a completely different reason. It wasn't yeah. funny at all. So uh, to end the year and uh, and this episode, uh, we thought it might be fun to uh, put together a super cut of what I like to call the Ike intro. And uh, so we'll leave you with that. Thank 
thanks for everything uh, this year. Lies, thanks for being on the show. And thanks for having me. Dear listeners, thank you for uh, sticking with us uh, over what has been uh, something that we uh, thought would be a fun idea and has now uh, turned into uh, something that maybe a couple of people uh, actually tune in and listen to. So uh, hopefully everyone has a safe uh, holiday and uh, gets out to uh, the workshop and uh, turns a wrench or gets out on the trail and uh, uh, gives some uh, new pinstriping to the side of uh, your vintage Land Rover. So again, thank you, everyone. And we will see you, uh, hopefully, uh, in 2022. Merry Christmas. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm old torn elephant hide vinyl to Stephen's Corinthian leather. I'm the ratty torn soft top to Stephen's dual moonroof. I'm the hammer rivet to Stephen's pop rivet. The no power steering of podcasting. I'm the manila rope to Stephen's Dyneema. The tow rope of podcasting. I'm the leaky wheezing heater to Stephen's dual zone climate control. The Smith's round heater of podcasting. I'm the positive ground electrical system to Stephen's negative ground electrical system. The sparky dashboard of podcasting. I'm the slam latch to Stephen's anti-burst latch. A tuck and roll of podcasting. I'm the rattly red lever to Stephen's terrain response dial. I'm the noisy transfer case of podcasting. I'm the moldy horsehair headlining to Stephen's sculpted micro suede. I'm the slowly disintegrating interior of podcasting. I'm the deafening gearbox wine to Stephen's 20 speaker meridian sound system. I'm the incessant drone of bad life choices. I'm the box of mismatched spanners and a torch with low batteries in your underseat tool compartment to Stevens Platinum Roadside Assistance. I'm the involuntary mobile mechanic of podcasting, Ike Goss. This very special episode of the Underpowered Hour was produced by me, Steve Barris, with special help from my wife, Liza Barris, and emotional support from afar from Ike Goss. The special Christmas theme music was composed and performed by Pavel Svardov. Check out more Underpowered Hour on our Instagram or Facebook. We hope you had a great 2021. We'll see you in 2022.